Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. If there is a gene for temperament, I got mine from the milkman. (laughs) I am the only person who is not a worrier in an extended family of world-class warriors not warriors, warriors. When I was four years old, exasperated by my beloved grandfather's hovering, I accused him of being a nervous wrench. He did not deny it. (laughs) Worrying can be a kind of magical thinking. It seduces us into thinking we're doing something about which there is nothing to be done. Mark Twain said, I have spent most of my life worrying about things that have never happened, and I have been through some terrible things in my life, some of which actually happened. Many of you tell me that you too worry. I don't want to get you started by even nodding at the things about which you worry. Let us just say that the capacity for worry and the reach of worry is seemingly unlimited and inexhaustible. Let's talk about it. My concern is for a little less past and future and a little more now, a little more joy and a little less furrowed brow. Born in Pune in 1894, the revered Indian mystic and spiritual master, Mayor Baba, a name that means compassionate father in Persian, took a vow of silence in 1925 at the age of 31. For the next 44 years, until his death in 1969, he never uttered an audible word. Communicating through an alphabet board or by using a set of unique hand gestures. He spent long periods in seclusion, often fasting. These retreats were punctuated by extensive travels during which he made public appearances, took part in various works of charity, and accrued a huge world of devoted followers. Maribaba said, do your best, then don't worry. Be happy in my love, I will help you. When cabling his devotees in the West, This was shortened to, don't worry, be happy. In the 1960s, this aphorism appeared everywhere, t-shirts, billboards, and posters, one of which was tacked up in the San Francisco apartment belonging to musicians Tuck and Patty. In 1968, Bobby McFerrin, I'm sorry, 1998, Bobby McFerrin walked in for a visit, and the rest is history. Of the lyrics to his huge hit song, Don't Worry, be happy, he said, it's a pretty neat philosophy in four words. What did Mayor Baba mean with this exhortation to his followers? 
I'm hearing an either or in his directive. You can either worry or be happy. Happy and worried cannot coexist. We seem to think that worrying is helpful in forcing us to take action. We imagine that it helps us avoid bad things, prevents problems, prepares us for the worst, or leads to solutions. In his book, The Worry Cure, Dr. Robert L. Leahy enumerates the ways our worries somehow make sense to us. Maybe I'll find a solution. I don't want to overlook anything. If I keep thinking a little longer, maybe I'll figure it out. I don't want to be surprised. I don't want to be responsible. I don't want to not be responsible. We think our worries are working for us, that they somehow protect us, but they do not. Unrelenting worry is exhausting, whether it keeps us up at night or intrudes on our days, and it can be paralyzing. I read hundreds of pages of research to be sure that I could say this to you without condition. <laughs> Worrying does not serve a positive purpose. Worrying tends to be the problem, not the solution. Worrying is a bad habit. And we can, and we should, break the habit. Dr. Andrew Newberg studied the biology of worry and concluded that we can train our minds to worry less. Think of the brain as a seesaw, he says, with the frontal lo lobes, responsible for reasoning, on one side, and the amygdala, our flight or fight animal response, on the other side. In every one of us, one side is dominant. It's just how we're made. So the trick is to make just a small push toward the reasoning area of our brain, to tip the seesaw away from the emotional and add weight to the frontal lobes. So lighten the amygdala, add weight to the reasoning frontal lobes. Failing that, or until we perfect it, here is the best strategy for breaking the worry habit that I could find. Psychologists call this containment. Three steps. One, designate a daily worry time. <laughs> Choose a time and place for worrying every day. Maybe it's in the kitchen between 6 and 6.20 p.m. It's good, though not essential, to be the same every day. It shouldn't be too late. All worrying should be over long before bedtime. And during our daily worry time, and I'm thinking 20 minutes is about right, but you say, we can worry about anything and everything. Two, postpone your worry. When a worry arises during the day, make a brief note of it so you don't forget to worry about it during your designated worry time. Assure yourself that you can worry about it later. There is no need to worry about it now. Note it, save it, and carry on about your day. Three, review your worry list. At the appointed hour of your daily worry time, reflect on the worries you noted throughout the day. If the worries are still worrying you, have at it, but only for the amount of time you've allotted for your worry time. 
If the worries can be crossed off, by all means, cross them off. Cut your worry time short and carry on. If you haven't finished worrying about something and worry that time is up, well, worry time is up. Keep the worry on the list and save it for tomorrow. I'm completely serious. Hundreds of pages of research for this. Now let's talk about something more than a remedy. Let's talk about a cure. Let's talk about faith. Oh. Do you know the serenity prayer? Yeah, let's say that together. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah, that. That's the short form, the Alcoholics Anonymous version. American Christian theologian Reinhold Niebuhr is credited with the original, which, while not our theology, is also quite beautiful. And I just want to share this with you. Accompanying a sermon he preached in 1943, he prayed, God, give me grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed. Courage to change the things that should be changed. And the wisdom to distinguish one from the other. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Worrying does not facilitate focusing on what we have the power to change and surrendering that over which we do not. Worrying about everything that can go wrong doesn't make life any more predictable. Worrying about worst-case scenarios, that's worrying on steroids, also known as catastrophizing, that does not prevent bad things from happening. It is an illusion to believe that it makes us safer. The trick is to build the muscle for our ability to tolerate uncertainty. Life on life's terms. Faith. Faith cures worry. And again, this is Christian language, but the directive is very clear in this opening of a sermon preached 100 years ago by J.R. Miller, a Presbyterian minister and Christian author. When you are inclined to worry, he preached, don't do it. That is the first thing. No matter how much reason there seems to be for worrying, still there is your rule. Do not break it. Do not worry. Matters may be greatly tangled, so tangled that you cannot see how they can ever be straightened out. Still, do not worry. Troubles may be very real. Nevertheless, do not worry. <laughs> you say the rule is too high for human observance, that mortals cannot reach it, or you say there must be some exceptions to it, that there are circumstances in which one cannot help but worry. But wait a moment, he says, what did the master teach? Therefore, I say unto you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. He left no 
exceptions. The final thing I want to be sure to say about worrying is that one of the most powerful cures for worrying and for a lot else that ails us is a beloved spiritual community. What a life-giving choice to spend less time with people who worry or who feed our worry and more time with people of faith who feed our faith. I think of a friend's daughter, a worrier. Once as a child, she sat staring out the window on a cross-country flight, certain that her worrying about it would keep the plane aloft. Sensing her mission, the gentleman seated next to her said kindly, if you'd like to eat your lunch, I can watch the wing for you for a while. <laughs> beloved spiritual companions, beloved nervous wrenches, if you'd like to eat your lunch, I can watch the wing for you for a while. We can do the work to break the habit. We can contain it. We can change our minds. And we can gather here and experience the healing of a beloved community of faith. Don't worry.